0: This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Sneddon. I am Nancy Sneddon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're focusing on financial advice for singles. While there are pros to being solo, there can also be challenges, especially when it comes to your finances. So what's the best advice on managing your money as a single, and how do you safeguard your financial well-being? My guest today has advice for you. She's a certified financial planner with 15 years of industry experience, a financial expert who's been interviewed and quoted in publications such as The Globe and Mail, McLean's Magazine, and she's also the co-author of the book The Canadian's Guide to P- Personal Finances for Singles. Julie Shipley Strickland, welcome to Your Money. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to be here. So Julie, before we jump into the discussion, can you share more with our listeners about your background and the inspiration behind your book? Because I do want to point out that you are married <laughs> So, as your co-author. So so why did you feel the need, I guess, to write this book
2: for singles? Yeah, great question. So a bit about my background. So I've been in the industry 15 years, um, working with a, a range of clientele and, and very happily married um, to my husband of almost 17 years. Um, But this is definitely an area of the industry where there's just not many resources, Nancy. There's just not much available. You know, when we did a kind of a market analysis, there just wasn't much available um, in terms of books, audiobooks, this sort of thing for uh, people to go to and get a resource kind of in the privacy of their own home, right? So we
1: thought this could be a a good niche to kind of develop in. Your book is certainly timely. According to the most recent census data available, the percentage of the population Flying solo in Canada has more than doubled since the 1980s. So, the number of people living alone spiked from 1.7 million in 1981 to 4 million in 2016. Solo dwellers over the age of 15 went from 9% of the population to 14% at the same time period. The data also reveals that, contrary to popular belief, the biggest age group of people living alone isn't young adults. In fact, it's people between the ages of 35 and 64. So, with Within that group, there are more single men than there are women. The Stats Canada survey says this is because of the demographic trends, such as marrying later in life or not at all, getting divorced, or or not remarrying as often uh, after divorce. So, Julie, when you're writing this book, how did you choose to categorize single? Yeah, great question. So, we looked at
2: three areas when we were really trying to hone in on that definition. So, the first one was anyone after divorce. Okay. the second one was really anyone that was widowed and we categorize that as bereaved. Um, And then that was an interesting one to navigate because, of course, often the spouse had been lost um, without actually maybe as much prior planning and or without want. Right. So that was an interesting area to develop. And then the third one, probably one of my favorite was chosen single. So as you touched on, just people who had decided to spend their life single and didn't
1: want to have a partner. (laughs) What? <laughs> That's interesting. So I guess regardless of the reason really for being solo, there are pros and and sometimes challenges to single living, right? So let's start on a positive note and focus on the pros. I guess the biggest pro is that when it comes to managing your money as a single, the decisions are just yours, right? You're not consulting, you're not trying to get agreement, nothing like that. There's no need to check with anyone if you want to splurge, for example. But what are some other positives of solo living when it comes to finances and how can it really be beneficial?
2: Yeah. So you've got it. I mean the number one definitely whenever we ask anyone is definitely that they have all the decision making power, which honestly can be good and bad, right? because then everything's falling on your shoulders. So we can dive into that a bit more. I think one of the biggest things we heard about was more financial freedom. So ability to let's say work longer hours, take on a second job, relocate for work, right? That flexibility was definitely there um, when we when we you know when we interviewed people and that sort of thing um, the other thing that I think really maybe isn't as, as thought of and, and that sort of thing is just the the decision-making and the the pressure that comes off of decision-making when you don't have to run anything by anyone else, right? So that was something that, that was really interesting to kind of explore.
1: Interesting, right? So uh, I'd like to just dig into that a little bit. So, you know, mm-hmm. people often find stress right around finances and, and sometimes, we, I see it a lot in my practice um, that some of the stresses is around um, bickering or you know um, not setting the same expectations I guess around finances between partners in a relationship right or maybe one partner is unaware of maybe the level of debt or some of the financial decision making that's happened uh, in the marriage so interesting that that would be a key uh, item for people that are single is that you know there's less Stress because they're not necessarily having to concern themselves right with what others would want or think you've got it right and and studies have cited for years
2: that you know one of the biggest stresses within a couple is finances and how people think about their finances has so many kind of deep-rooted ideas and, and beliefs behind it it's got to do with your upbringing you know how were you raised how did your parents believe in money what influences did, did you have at a young stage from family and friends around you and then those get transcended into adulthood and sometimes habits aren't you know bad habits aren't necessarily changed and then you go into this relationship and you're right you might be carrying debt you know often we hear one person's a spender the other's a saver so there's a lot of conflict around it so when it's just you making the decisions all of that conflict really goes away so that that definitely alleviates a lot of stress and definitely was something that I hadn't really thought of before writing the book i thought it was interesting
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting. So we know, you know, with everything, there's pros and cons. So let's talk now more about the downside of being single when it comes to managing your finances. What can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so, you know,
2: I think for me, some of the downsides... It depends on the perspective. So definitely on the downside, the biggest one, most obvious, you're making all the decisions on your own. You have no one to lean back on, maybe run ideas off of, um, you know, have different opinions with that sort of thing. so that that can definitely be a downside if if you're trying to make a decision. The other thing is is that all the expenses fall on you, right? So if you have something unforeseen, let's say an illness, disability and job loss or need to be off work for a certain amount of time all those expenses really fall on you to manage and so that's something that can definitely be challenging and then three if your knowledge isn't maybe up to snuff or where you want it to be you know getting yourself educated and and you know if you had a partner that was maybe a bit more educated that might be a smoother transition so i think those
1: are some of the areas where definitely cons can can play for sure yeah, I mean, again, I see I see some of this in, in my practice when we have mm-hmm. uh, clients coming to see us who have gone through a relationship breakdown, right? So they had two incomes supporting uh, household expenses and now they're on their own with their own income trying to to support uh, a house, set of household expenses. And, and it does become tough for people. So certainly if you're living solo and, and navigating some of these cons, it can really be a challenge, Julie, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the world
2: isn't necessarily made for one, right? You know, some of our research showed us that when you're in a couple and then you go to a single, not everything's 50%. Right. You're you're still sometimes paying more than 50%. So, you know, that transition of going in the divorce category, going from two to one or in the bereaved category can be really challenging for people, not only on their financial pocketbook, but just mentally wrapping their head around it um, and, and just trying to navigate the mental side, the emotional side, and then, of
1: course, the actual finances. Absolutely. And I know that your book can really help people in navigating some of those cons. So we're going to get into some of the specifics around that with Julie when we come back. Please stay with us.
0: You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The drive on your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me is Julie Shipley Strickland. She's a certified financial planner and co-author of the book The Canadian's Guide to Personal Finances for Singles. So they say timing is everything and as you heard in the opening segment, the percentage of Canadians living single is on the rise here in Canada. So Julie, your book couldn't have come along at a better time really. So before the break, we talked about some of the pros and, and cons of solo living. And I want to focus now on some advice for listeners out there who may be navigating life on their own right now and how to overcome some of the specific challenges that they're facing when it comes to money management and, and which you address in your book. So a huge challenge, of course, is converting monthly housing costs. And according to the latest census, close to half of young adults living alone currently have monthly costs considered to be unaffordable. And we certainly know that the high impact of inflation and rising interest rates are currently having on all Canadians, not just those here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and not just singles. So Julie, how concerning is it to see that the report from StatsCan shows that close to half of young adults living alone had monthly housing costs that they do consider to be unaffordable? I mean, it's, it's obviously
2: not something that any of us want to be seeing, right? Because it's just such a terrifying but also sad it's just all around not something that we want to be seeing um and and you know i think it depends on the province you're in for sure um there's fluctuations and that sort of thing but yeah when you couple interest rates uh that are elevated and then a very high inflation rate these are some of the results you get right uh so it's definitely something that's concerning and definitely something that we need to explore because canadians
1: need to have Options and need to be living at an affordable rate every month for sure. No, absolutely. And you know, I see it in my practice um, more and more, right, where people yeah. are getting themselves in trouble when it comes to debt because they're having to supplement their income um, mm-hmm. to put food on the table, right, using credit. So you know, housing cost and and general you know cost of living when it comes to the necessities, not you know the sort of extras, uh, is becoming more and more unmanageable for people. So what. What are you hearing from your single clients? What challenges are they facing? Yeah.
2: And definitely the biggest one I'm hearing is the ever growing portion of their, what used to be disposable income that now has to go to either their mortgage and or their rent. Um, and then the grocery bills, right? We keep hearing about the grocery bills that are really elevated as well. And and frankly, all goods. So I think it's definitely something where people are feeling very stretched. Um, and, I, and I totally relate to what they're trying to accomplish, you know, what the government's trying to do in, in terms of bringing down inflation rate and cutting costs. But definitely the past six to nine months have been extremely tight with interest rates starting to come down, but inflation still, interest rates, sorry, starting to go up, but inflation still not coming down, right? So you've got this kind of really tight squeeze in the middle. I'm also hearing, um, you know, that that just everyday life has gotten more expensive. You know, going out to a restaurant is more expensive simply because the food costs are more, you know? So there's just all
1: around a cost that um, people are really feeling it at everywhere they turn, I think is the best way to describe it. All right, absolutely. There's no doubt that everyone is seeing challenges right now. And just wondering if, you know, in the research for your book and, and in just talking to your clients, are you seeing uh, perception of these challenges differing depending on gender? Yeah, it's such an interesting question, Nancy, because, you know,
2: the biggest thing that's sitting there, of course, is the wage gap. And we all know it still exists. Sure, it's being improved, but it's definitely still there. So absolutely, for sure, you know, a, a male and a female doing the exact same job, a male typically gets compensated more or has gotten compensated more. There's all sorts of data and statistics and criteria around that. Um, so I think that's definitely it. The difference is how people spend. And again, these are generalizations for sure, but definitely we saw, you you know, men tend to plan less, um, so they tend to spend more, let's say, off the cuff, whereas women tend to be a bit more methodical um, with their planning and their spending. Um, so that, of course, you know, equates to different amounts in your bank account at the end of the month, for sure. Um, so that's definitely a trend that
1: we saw, uh, but that's a generalization and definitely not something that's always true. Uh, interesting. And, and I don't know if it comes from, um, you know, the female oftentimes being the more of a nurturer, right? Than the male, so that sort of planning, even as a single, maybe is is uh, impacted by that mindset. But you know, when it comes to overcoming these challenges, I think budgeting is is really important, especially now. Right? We've done several shows uh, over the last number of months about you know the impact of inflation and interest rates in so many different dynamics of finances. And one thing that remains a constant is in these sorts of times, budgeting becomes more important. Than ever. But what else should listeners living solo and and single keep in mind? What additional advice can you share with our listeners? Yeah, and I I think you're definitely right, Nancy, is that the budget. And I like to kind of
2: downsize it a little bit or smooth it over and say balance instead. Really living with balance and and what do I mean when when I say that? You know, we don't don't want to be saving everything and not enjoying life right now. There definitely is something for, you know, achieving that balance of enjoying your life right now and saving for the future so you can keep enjoying the things you love. So I, I really coach my clients on achieving that balance. I think one way to do that is definitely to focus on cash flow right? Money in versus money out. I think it's so important for everyone to understand that your bank balance is important, but where you're spending your money and how you're bringing money in and how you're spending the money, the decisions you make, cash flow is key, right? And the other thing is, you know, keeping an opportunity and or an emergency fund. We'll dive into that, I'm sure. but. Those are some, that's definitely an area where, you know, if something unexpected comes up, being able to lean on those cash resources instead of having to go to credit um, is is very important. Um, you know, even high interest savings accounts right now are paying 4 5 6% depending on where you invest. So, you know, and those are just simple cash instruments. So, you know, you can definitely make a decent rate of return right now and still have that cash sitting there in case. Um, and then the opportunity to maximize income. You know, I'm hearing more and more clients working into their later years, um, whether it's part-time or whether it's a passion project. Uh, we affectionately call it a side hustle. Um, you know, more and more clients are renovating their home to do a rental suite or their airbnb being the property. Um, and then, you know, I even hear more people who are excited about their passion or, or creating something and they're opening an e-commerce store um, online. So there's flexibility there to maximize your income a lot more than I would say a generation ago.
1: No, absolutely. And, and you're right. We hear more and more around people who are, you know, trying to supplement their income in various ways, like more and more people entering the gig economy, right, to, to yeah. supplement their income. Like that's been very prevalent. I would say since the pandemic, maybe we're hearing more and more about this gig yeah. economy. I think it started maybe because people um, were losing their job right during the pandemic and looking for, for ways when, you know, they couldn't get a job to, to find income. But I think it stayed there for people. People, especially with inflation and, and stuff right looking for ways that they can improve their cash flow without taking on debt but of course as I mentioned in the first segment we know that many people are taking on more debt now to supplement their income so when it comes to debt what is your advice should singles be addressing or managing debt differently or how much should they be taking on yeah, great question. The first thing I want to say is debt is not all
2: debt is bad. The word debt kind of raises fear in people. Uh, I find often some debt is good. You know, the only way, or pro- predominantly the only way that we can buy a home and increase our net worth is to carry some sort of mortgage, right? So some debt is actually positive if it's tied to an asset that can be available for resale. So I think I want to clarify that for the listeners is that not all debt is bad. Okay, but you are. Right. Right, managing it is essential. And, you know, we've all heard, you know, you pay down the highest interest debt first. Um, But I think one priority that some clients that come to me don't always realize is the importance of those minimum payments. And I'm sure you see this, Nancy, in your practice. Making those minimum payments is essential. It keeps your credit in line. Um, It really shows the credit company that you're committed to paying down that debt. So I think that's something that's really, really important that is maybe not talked about or stressed as much. And it really should be. Um, back to having a buffer, right? When times are good, definitely save for a rainy day. and And that's sometimes tricky to do from the the mental side. You know, the mindset side when things are good, you you tend to want to spend because it's fun and exciting. But keeping that cash buffer for a future rainy day, definitely an important thing.. Um, And then, you know, we quoted this in the book, but studies are showing all over that, you know, actually paying down debt is good for your mental health. They did a survey at uh, a study at Harvard uh, that we found really interesting about how much it increased your overall mental well-being
1: to be paying down debt. So, you know, it is it is a, a positive thing all around for sure no I couldn't agree more I mean I'm obviously in the business that I'm in I'm always um, helping people deal with their debt and finding them a solution to their debt but you know being able to manage debt and knowing there's a plan to deal with your debt I see the impact it has on people's mental health right all the time Um, you know often I wish I should have contacted you sooner right I'm feeling relief from the stress that I've been feeling or I'm finally going to get a good night's sleep or coming back to sign their documents knowing they have a solution I find had a good night's sleep right so there's no in, no doubt that that has an impact on, on mental health and I agree like making your minimum payments is super important but I think you know if that's all you're able to do it you know you do want to seek some advice on how you can be paying your debt down because it's super important to maintain your minimum payments but at that level you're not really seeing a reduction in your debt right so it Correct. really is important that you're you're paying down the debt and not just caring the debt with minimum payments yeah very good point absolutely well investing for tomorrow is a key part to managing your money today and when you're making choices on your own it can sometimes be challenging so when we come back julie's going to share her advice on how you can make today's dream tomorrow's reality you're listening to your money we'll be right back
0: nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay, whatever keeps you feeling great, the wellness and healthy lifestyle show on your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed and Solvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Julie Shipley Strickland. She's a certified financial planner and co-author of the book, The Canadian's Guide to Personal Finances for Singles. So, Julie, we talked a bit in the last segment about the importance of you know that emergency fund right and i know it became top of mind for many during the pandemic as they faced life events because we know life events can happen whether it's an illness job loss death of a loved one could leave you single so as a single it can have a very negative impact on your financial well-being so what advice do you have for singles in creating that safety net should they face the life event and, and how important is this it's so
2: important, Nessie. Like, I can't stress it enough. It is so important. And, you know, we all hear about the emergency fund, and that's definitely something to have. But on the flip side, what if a great opportunity comes available? Uh, a property you've always dreamed of, and you know, friend's business to invest in, these sorts of things. So having that cash on hand for an opportunity fund, one, also sound, sounds better for the mental health side, but two, can be a really exciting thing to have. So I stress to my clients to really look look at that and have that available somehow. The other thing is, is, is the, you know, the insurance word. Just so, you know, no one likes paying for insurance. We hear about it all the time. we got to pay for the car and the auto and, and all the things. But, you know, when you're single, relying on your own income, it's imperative that you have some critical illness and disability insurance in place so that if something were to happen to you, you have money coming in every month that is able to supplement your expenses, able to get you the treatment you need. And give you the rest and time you need to recover and get back to normal day to day life. And then, of course, there's also the planning aspect, right? We touched on this a little bit, but the planning aspect of life insurance is, is can be can be very powerful. So, not only do you want to make sure, God forbid, something were to happen to you, your loved ones are able to settle your estate and, and work through all that, but there's also leaving a legacy behind, right? And, and how do you want your assets to be left, perhaps to a charity or a previous? all a matter, friends and family, that sort of thing. So there's there's definitely some planning that can be done around all of that. And I think as single, it's it's ever more important because someone else can't make that decision for you. I mean, even in a couple, no one can really make the decision, but they can say what your wishes might have been or would have been. As a single, you don't have that. So I think it's ever more important to really think through what you want, um, how you want to protect yourself during your
1: life, and then how you want to leave kind of a legacy down, down the road. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's some really great advice. And oftentimes people think, you know, with things like, you know, disability insurance, for example, it's, you know, it's a cost that that they may or may not need. But, you know, when the time comes when you do need it, you're going to be very thankful that you spent uh, that money on those insurances. So always good to get the right advice. And and oftentimes those plans are more affordable than people may think. Right. So you want to know what's out there and how you can best plan for that. So, you know, we've been talking about living solo and, life as a single, and there's often, as we've been talking about, financial challenges. So you shared some great advice for our listeners in the last segment pertaining to overcoming some of those financial challenges, but what about when it comes to investing in their financial future? Because, you know, to be honest, in researching for this interview, a lot of the content on retirement literature is really focused on couples. So what mm-hmm. should singles be doing now to ensure financial stability as they age, especially through ensuring um, you're secure into your retirement? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's what we found, too. Everything was focused on couples. So
2: part of the reason for the book, right? I think the biggest thing is consistency. Consistency is key. And, you know, you hear this when you're exercising or when you're working on a a diet or a lifestyle a meal plan or whatnot. Consistency is key, and it's the same with your money. It it doesn't necessarily matter, and and research has shown this, how much money you put aside. It's more important that you're consistently putting an amount aside at a regular interval. And, of course, the amount has to grow over time. You know, at, at 20, if you're putting $25 aside a week, you probably shouldn't be doing out of 40 right of course but the key is getting in that habit and the second thing I I really try and coach clients on is time in the market so you know we've all heard that the stock market goes up and down we've all experienced it we all know but if you look over a 30 40 50 year period the markets consistently go up and so this is something where you need time on your side and you can't do that if you're starting to save or whatnot at 50 years old It, it becomes a lot more challenging Right, so starting to get in that habit of saving um, at a younger age is really, really important. And I, I think one of the reasons why, or how people can do that, is really setting short-term and long-term goals. And so, Nancy, when I coach my clients on that, in short-term goals, we're looking under five years, right? What are your financial goals under five years? Do you want to buy a home? Do you maybe want to buy a second property? Do you want to take that vacation? Are you saving for that opportunity fund in case something comes along? What does it look like? And then, of course, longer-term goals, we're looking more towards longer-term saving, retirement, that sort of thing. So I, I definitely think that those are some ways where you can start to work towards and feel like you have some financial stability when you've got your goals outlined,
1: but then also you're consistently saving. Absolutely. And, you know, I I often uh, tell people, you know, compound interest is a very important thing. So the (laughs) earlier you can start saving, right? And even if it's a little bit, it's going to make a huge difference to your overall ability to save. And I also, you know, when you mentioned in the last segment and and, uh, here again, an opportunity fund, I love that. Like, I love love the positive feel that that has versus an emergency fund or just even thinking about savings, right? And, and having savings exactly. and, and having to put away money, like opportunity fund just has a whole different um, feel to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Yeah. The mental side <laughs> behind looking for an opportunity
2: is so exciting, right? And has so much positive uh, just a positive feeling around it right a positive aura around it it's fantastic and so yes we need the emergency fund but the opportunity fund just seems a lot more fun and you know they can they can work for each other right
1: so yeah, um, yeah please feel it that sounds great So what should singles be listening uh, to when it comes to investing in their financial future? So like, for example, what types of investments should they be considering? Are there more secure investment options that singles should consider versus if, if they're in a couple? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is so great because I can't give any specific financial
2: advice. And I have to say that you need to consider your, you know, you need to talk to your financial advisor and you, you need to consider your situation, but some, some, general overview is really to determine your risk tolerance, you know, and I'd like to ask clients, you know, if you had a hundred thousand dollars and that fell to eighty thousand, how are you feeling? Where are you at? Because that really allows people to sit back and think through, oh geez, I just lost one fifth of that. I just lost 20%. Like how does that make you feel? Do you have time to recover? Are you okay in terms of that little comeback? Is that your mindset? Or is it, oh my goodness, I've lost that money, I'll never recover. And that mindset really helps determine your risk tolerance. Everyone's got a great risk tolerance when times are good. Not everyone feels the same when I ask that question to them. So really digging deep and learning what your risk tolerance is, I think is very, very important. Being real about your time horizon, right? We can't work full time till we're 75 or 80. It's very challenging if you love what you do sure you can work full time up until a certain age and then you'll probably do some contract work part time but your income will probably fall so being realistic about your time horizon and how long you're actually going to work for err on the side of caution right we don't know what what each day is going to throw at us And then, you know, one that I always look at, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of investment advisors recommend and stuff is look at the opportunity with dividend-paying securities. So, you know, the beauty with dividend-paying securities is if you have the risk appetite for them, because they're not for, you know, the most conservative, right, um, you get the appreciation of the stock. Plus, you know, I like to say a quarterly thank you, and sometimes it's monthly and sometimes it's annual, um, but a quarterly thank you for believing in the company. And so that's a way that even if the stock appreciation isn't there, you know, we're going through about like COVID or that sort of thing, there's often a dividend that you're receiving every month that can really start to um, supplement some of your income. Um, and then the last thing I think I would say is the key of a diversified portfolio. And, you know, everyone hears this, but I, I find more, more and more clients come to me saying, Julie, what is that actually? And a diversified portfolio means a few things. One, it means you're invested, you know, for different time horizons, so some shorter, back to the opportunity fund, and then some longer term investments. It also means you're invested in different areas of the market. So maybe you're in some financials like banks, or maybe you're in some energy, or maybe you're in some consumer discretionary or consumer growth, this sort of different types of sectors of the industry that um, you can invest in and spread your money throughout. It can also look different parts of the world, right? We have to remember that Canada is about 3% of the investing world. So if you own your home in Canada and you're getting paid in Canada and all of your investments are in Canada, you're missing out on a lot of investment opportunities globally, right? So I have to make sure that you're diversified and it doesn't mean you have to invest in a country you don't believe in or, or that sort of thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look at the opportunities of investing in different countries and that sort of thing. There's some great companies that are in them um,
1: and can really provide a nice, nice rate of return. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, understanding your risk tolerance, understanding investment products in general and how to really set financial goals, the best way to do that really is to talk to a professional. So we're going to talk about that and the importance of that when you are a single. When we come back, please stay with us.
0: Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VLCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, License and Solency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Julie Shipley Strickland. She's a certified financial planner and co-author of the book, The Canadian's Guide to Personal Finances for Singles. So Julie, you've been sharing some great advice for singles in our audience today and how they can best manage their money, not only today, but into their financial future. And, you know, we all want our money to work harder, to go further. And, and part of that is minimizing the tax that we have to pay. And so deductions and, and credits in our tax return become super important. And we know for couples and those with children that there are ways that they can make their money go further. There are deductions and, and tax credits, opportunity for income splitting, for example, investment tools like spousal RRSPs. But what is available for singles out there? Can you share some advice on how singles can minimize taxes through deductions and credits? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I think the first thing to understand is that the tax rates do not change in Canada or provincially, okay? So tax rates are based on individuals, um, and they're set based on the individual. So the actual tax rate doesn't change whether you're in a partnership or whether you're single, okay? However, this is a bit of, you know, you win some, you lose some, because usually, actually, if you do file jointly, so as part of a partnership, whether common law, married, that sort of thing, you do save typically some more tax for sure there are things available um but it really depends on what you're getting those deductions and credits for because CRA does look at a lot of income as household or family income so let me give you an example you know you, you you definitely win in a in a couple if you uh, because you can combine charitable donations you can share medical expenses and you might be able to transfer some of your credit that you don't use to your partner so for example you know the age credit at age 65 if you're not using that all your partner can take it or the pension income payments amounts okay so there is the pros of kind of filing jointly On the other side, if you file jointly, you can lose some credits. And so this is where singles get all of their own credits and are able to use all of their own credits. And again, this is back to how CRA looks at household income. If you're filing as one, you know, your house, your income is the household income. And so you could lose some child tax credits in a couple like the child tax credit, perhaps the GST or HST one, um, because CRA, would combine the incomes and then give that to the lowest income spouse. However, if it's just you, you're receiving all of those credits. So kind of a
1: roundabout way to answer that question, but there are some pros for sure to filing single, for sure. Yeah. And important to understand, you know, what you can and, and can't claim because you know this is a time of year when everyone is trying to make sure that they're getting that refund and not having a, a balance owing on their taxes. So Julie, we talked about a little the, you know, the importance of setting financial goals and determining your risk tolerance and really understanding the investment products that are out there and what's best for you. And we know, you know, there are so many benefits to working with a financial planner. So, those who work with a financial planner are more on track with financial goals and retirement plans. They're able to save more. They're confident that they can deal with financial challenges in life. They're better able to indulge in their discretionary spending goals and really just overall on track. With their financial affairs. So, do you feel it's even more important for a single person to work with a financial planner? Yeah, I do. I I actually do and, and my biggest
2: reason for that, Nancy, would be because you get someone else to bounce ideas off of. You get another person's opinion. It's not you in your own head trying to make all these decisions. Whether your financial education is good or you're working towards it becoming better, it can get all kind of muddled when it's only you. So having that person that you trust to bounce ideas off of essential, I think, to to, you know,
1: really growing your financial 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 Absolutely. So what advice do you have for singles when it comes to choosing the right financial planner to work with? Because it's so important, right, that you have that comfort level with the person that you're dealing with because you really need to be open and honest about all your, you know, the good, bad and ugly around your finances to get the right advice. (laughs) You said it perfectly. You know, for me, the biggest thing and and my
2: biggest uh, maybe driver when I'm taking on new clients is alignment. And so I really focus on being able to have a great business relationship with my clients and alignment as to how they approach their finances. You know, are they eager to learn? Are they eager to grow? That's what I'm looking for in a client. Uh, You know, when they're interviewing me, I think, you know, this is just my opinion, but what they should be looking for, you should be looking at our education. You know, you should be looking at professional qualifications. You know, you should be looking at how they operate their business. A lot of investment advisors in Canada, we're licensed and we need to have a support of either a bank or an independent behind us uh, for compliance and licensing. So I think it's important to understand how the investment advisor or wealth advisor runs their business. Um, I think it's very important that they have a team to support you. Look, I mean, if I didn't have my team around me, I, I wouldn't be able to work with the clients that I, I am able to work with because you need that support. So I think knowing that you're going to get that client service and support is essential and then I think, you know, most importantly, what services do, does the investment advisor provide and how are they getting compensated for those services? I think it's a very important thing for clients when they're interviewing advisors to understand how the advisor is getting compensated and ensure that the client's comfortable with that. Um, and then the last thing I would understand how the business relationship works. How often are you meeting? How often are you touching base? And does this align with what you're you're trying to accomplish as the client. Um, So I definitely think that um, those are some of the questions clients should be asking
1: when kind of looking for an advisor that, that can meet their needs. Yeah, I think that that's so, so important. And, you know, a lot of those questions, I know we're talking about singles today, but I think that that holds true for, you know, anyone, whether they're a single or in a couple, right, the things that they want to ask. And it's okay to ask uh, any question, right, that you want more information on. Like, no question is silly or stupid. And, you know, sometimes I recommend for people, you know, use the Internet to do some research to, like, kind of figure out the question you want to ask, but don't necessarily rely on the internet to get the answers, right? You can never replace um, talking to someone, a professional in person to get the advice that's right for you, not just generic advice that you'll find online. Yeah, exactly. And I I mean, even in the book in chapter three, we go through a lot of these questions
2: and I kind of explain why I think these questions are important for you to ask and take it as food for thought, right? Take the ones that work for you and and the ones that don't. But I think it's ever, ever important to ask all your questions. And you're right. No, no questions should be unanswered. Nothing is stupid or silly. They're important. And you should have the answer to give you that peace of mind that you're working
1: with a true professional. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know this this is important, right? Like financial planning is is one of the most important things that you can do uh, for your good financial health. So Julie, it's been great having you on the show today. We've got some time now for some final thoughts. So what final thought would you like to leave our listeners with today? Thanks so much, Nancy. So a few
2: things that I love to touch on and want everyone to keep top of mind. There's actually five. Um, So the first one is to save a steady amount. So consistency is key. We touched on this. And even if it's small, even if you think it might be, you know, Insignificant, it's not. You're really developing that habit. You're consistently saving, and that's really important for your overall financial grower. So that's essential. Two, I would say stretch a little further. So, you know, if you're saving a certain amount every month, try and increase it every year. You know, it might hurt the first couple of months, but if you can, I think it's very important and it doesn't need to be a huge jump, right? You're saving hundred dollars a month. You go to 125, right? Just something reasonable, um, and, and balance, don't budget. So really way, uh, spending now versus saving three, I would say pay yourself first. So one of my favorite quotes from Buffett is don't save what you aren't spending, spend what you aren't saving. And to me, that's just a shift in the mindset to really ensure that you're paying yourself first. Four, I would say oh, okay. protect yourself. Yeah. Four, I would say protect yourself. Have some cash available and ensure that you have some sort of insurance protection in case life doesn't go the way you you want it, right? And then five, and this one seems to be one of the hardest, is review and look at your money regularly. This isn't something where you set it and forget it. This is definitely something where you want to ensure you're checking in, not only for you know, your bank balance and ensure there's nothing going on there, but you want to see the steady growth of your investments. And that's a very important mental health side of growing your net worth that I don't think everyone always recalls. So that would be kind of
1: my fifth and last piece of advice to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that's all very great advice and and goes uh, with the theme of the great advice that you've been giving our listeners throughout the program today. So Julie, if people wanted to reach out to you to get some advice or they wanted to get a copy of your book, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, the book's available on
2: Chapters in Indigo in Canada. So it's available online, um, ships right to you, so that's handy. And then to get a hold of me, uh, my website is com, um, And you can also reach me on Instagram. I'm pretty active. So it's at wealthwithjulie. Um, and I'm pretty active there in terms of not only sharing my family life, but also sharing some professional advice and tidbits um, that
1: clients can follow and learn. That's great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. And of course, for our listeners out there, thanks for listening. I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone.
0: If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon of BDO. DO, License Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.